Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Survive HR. So this one's different, Steve. I'm Kelly Shive. I'm joined here by my co-host, Steve Nail. This, one, this one's really different, right? So I'm staring at you through a computer screen. That's Which right, Kelly. We are probably the way we should always do these. I feel like I'd like you more. I feel like I'm safer, and actually, when 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 we're <laughs> distant like this, you can't you can't come across the table and take a swing at me or anything else. But you know, the thing is, I can still see your eyes rolling, and you're making those contorted <laughs> looks on your face when you don't like something I say or don't agree with me. But that's okay. I do miss you. I'll have to admit, I miss you. It's always good to be there in person. But hey, it's it's COVID virus time. We'll do this thing. Uh, like we are we're social distancing. We are social distancing, utilizing Zoom, and we're going to talk about, quite frankly, my least favorite topic in the entire world, but the one I talk about 24 hours a day lately: COVID-19. Um, and from an HR perspective, you guys are getting smacked around with all sorts of information regarding COVID and what you're supposed to do to help your employees manage through this crisis. We're joined here today by our sponsors, Chris and Perry. Hey, Chris and Perry. Hey, how are you? Hey, we Kelly. Are, we are here. <laughs> Yeah. HR is uh, HR is really getting sucker punched right now, Chris and Perry. We uh, and obviously as a result of you guys being employment attorneys, you guys are as well. What are what are you uh, what are you hearing out there regarding the new stimulus bills that have recently passed, the CARES Act and the Family First Coronavirus Response Act? Did I get that one right? You did, Family First Coronavirus Response Act. Um, so I'm going to let Perry talk about CARES, and he might go ahead and jump in that because if we're talking about um, what you need to do first, maybe that's the most important thing to do first, um, and then we can talk about compliance and the release to get into the Families First um, Coronavirus Response Act. Perfect. Sure. Thanks. Sure. Thanks, everybody. Um, so I'll, I'll give a, a brief overview of what I'll call the Paycheck Protection Program, which is a a part of the federal stimulus bill that I think is probably most relevant to HR. Um, I, I will note that there are a, a number of different relief avenues under the new federal stimulus bill, all designed to provide relief to businesses and keep workers employed. Um, there is an employee retention tax credit available. There is uh, deferment, deferment of payroll taxes as well. Um, but, but the main portion of the stimulus that, that most businesses have their eye on is the Paycheck Protection Program. And essentially what this program does is provide forgivable loans to businesses uh, to, to incentivize uh, businesses to keep employment levels at or, or near the, their, their current levels. Um, and so the loan funds that you can receive, and all of these loans are, are done through uh, small business administration lenders, all of the loan funds that you receive um, are to be used uh, mostly for payroll. 75% of the loan funds uh, have to be used for payroll. Um, and then 25% uh, can be used for limited other costs like rent 
and interest on mortgage and a couple of other basic operating costs. Um, the, 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 the huge piece of this though, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask a question. So I think one of the pieces that is confusing is there are two different bills and you can qualify for one and not qualify for the other. Right. So my understanding is the family's first bill is for employers under 500, but the CARES Act is a, is for small businesses. Is that is that right? Did I get that right? There is a there is a bit of a distinction there. The the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which is what provides paid leave benefits to workers if if they've got work to do and the business is still open but they can't come in, um, that that is limited to employers with 500 or less. The Paycheck Protection Program that I was discussing has the, the same general requirement, although some businesses can be more than 500, um, depending on their industry classification under the Small Business Administration standards. Got it, got it. So that's those well, are the well, forgivable loans, right? Correct. Okay. Now, what, hey, Perry, what are the, I know that you said they have to keep, I think the, I know you have to maintain your employment level where you can't go below a certain few, maybe a few percentage points below what you were before, you know, say at the, the target, I don't know if the first of February is the date that you were, that the, 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 the Congress was using or not. I can't recall, but what are the, what's, what are the catches to it? I mean, what is it that you have to do? Um, and the reason I asked this specifically is I, I know that I saw um, uh, some writing about a neutrality agreement. Uh, as part of the the deal as well. That, I mean, you've got to do that in order to main, get your loans forgiven. Sure. So there, there's a lot of catches here, and, and it's quite a, a complex uh, program from, from the standpoint of what dates you look at, what numbers you look at. But, but the general idea is that once you receive the loan proceeds, you have a, a two-month period um, to use those funds for, for, for payroll purposes. Um, and at the end of the loan period, in order to have the loan forgiven, um, your forgiveness is going to be reduced if you have dropped your employment um, below what it, essentially what it previously was pre-COVID. And that's a, when I say pre-COVID, that's a, a generalization. There's a couple of different time periods you could potentially use, um, or if you reduce your workers' wages by more than 25%. So you don't lose the forgiveness entirely if you do have to reduce some of your staff, um, but, but the forgiveness is reduced proportionally to the reduction. Um, the, the, the idea, the whole idea, though, is that these loan funds are designed for you to use during that two-month window to keep people employed and, and to pay them. And what about the neutrality aspect? Uh, what do you mean by neutrality? The neutrality, uh, the neutrality that's required if uh, if unions uh, want to organize your business, then uh, you're required to remain neutral uh, in the and not not actually campaign against or advocate against union organization. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and in fact, I saw, um, I saw a bulletin today that um, 
unions are not sort of suspending their um, campaign activity and or their elections. So that's going to be um, that, that's going to be moving forward as well. But you have to make when, when you apply for the loan. Also, you have to make a number of certifications. One certification being that um, you need the loan funds for um, COVID-19 reason. In other words, your business has been negatively impacted by the coronavirus. Now, the, the intel that we're getting and you know guidance is coming out on a rolling basis, but the intel that we're getting is that you know most businesses would meet that qualification. Um, you know, you don't have to make a showing that you've lost X amount of revenue, you know, et cetera, but you do have to make that certification. Yeah. Okay. I don't so, understand that piece. Like, I, can I ask for a point of clarification? The neutrality agreement. So, if I'm understanding you correctly, Stephen Perry, what they're saying is if you take this money and a union comes and knocks on your door, you can't argue against the union. You can't put up any sort of show. Not to say that you would, right? But you can't put up a defense to not organize. Is that correct? Well, the that way I correct. understood, yeah, is, but the, that is correct. But I can tell you, and for our listeners, if that happens, because I can, you know, and there will be companies that I'm sure, in order to survive will have to apply for these these loans and they want them forgiven in order to survive. So they'll now be saddled potentially with neutrality, assuming a union uh, pursues them. If that happens, please contact me and I will help you <laughs> and, and to figure out, I, I have multiple, I have a couple of different ways that I can help you uh, main, be com legally compliant and yet fight the unions at the same time but yes if that's but it is required do. i mean if that's what you there, want to do. I know if you want to do there could be plenty of reasons why that's not what you'd want to do but i didn't realize that that was written into the bill yes what else on that one before we go into the other one i think that's i think that's the the idea behind the program um, the the amount of the loan that you can receive it, it depends upon your monthly payroll costs. So you look at your average monthly payroll, multiply that by two and a half, and that determines the loan amount. Um, in order to receive the forgiveness, you've got to use the loan for the qualifying costs, and you have to maintain your um, wage levels. Now, I will say that to your point earlier, Steve, about a lot of businesses applying for this, I think it makes sense for, you know, most businesses, even if, you know, every, everybody is a little bit uncertain of what the, the next weeks and months are going to look like. And even if you are worried that you might reduce wage levels, even if some of, even if you don't get all of it forgiven, the loan terms are extremely favorable. We're hearing as low as 0.25% interest. Um, so, you know, it's it, for most businesses, it's probably going to make sense. Yeah, and the thing the thing is, um, I mean, I would encourage folks. I, I, I'm going to ask you. I want you to follow up and see how difficult it may be to apply for these loans. But I think if you're considering this, you should apply very quickly because there are limited. These are not unlimited funds. So, 
if everybody's out there, who knows that they could run out of the loans. So I would jump on it quickly. I think, what was the SBA lady that um, we heard from yesterday said, get up at five in the morning and do it quickly, um, just to, to weigh in on that. And you can remember back when the Affordable Care Act was passed, that they had that retirement, the retirees reinsurance program where they were going to help fund employers who were providing health care to the 55, 65 age group. And there were a number of grants to keep those going for a while, and they lasted two months. So I think that's a great point. What time does the loan open tomorrow? It's my understanding is tomorrow, April 3rd. Obviously, we're recording this and we'll release after, but just for curiosity's sake, what time can you well, apply? Well, we're here. The we're hearing today that it's probably going to be pushed to Monday, April 6th. Um, it, it was supposed to go live um, April 3rd, Friday, but banks are, are really scrambling and the small business administration is scrambling to try to get all, all the kinks worked out. So I think some bankers are still optimistic that it's going to be live Friday. But the thing you've got to remember is that this is all done through traditional lenders. So you, you got to reach out to your banking relationship to see if they're an SBA, SBA approved lender um, and, and the applications have to run through them. Okay, so that there's not is there not anything that your firm does then to help to help them with uh, loan applications? Well, we have been we we have our firm has been receiving a lot of uh, questions about the contents of the application. You can already access the application, although they have updated it about three times now. <laughs> um, it, but yes, I mean there's certain portions of the application. Um, that, that we've been helping with, but most of that's going to be done through the assistance of a banker. Okay. Is there anything else kind of in the interest of time? We're going to run out of time very shortly. Is there anything else that you feel like our HR listeners need to know about these two specific stimulus bills? Um, I'd like to weigh in. You've got the the one that Perry's just covered, which covers the entire entity, it's important to understand the difference between that benefit plus that offered under the um, Families First uh, Coronavirus Response Act, because that benefit is tax credit that is meant to reimburse the employer for every bit of leave they pay out under the FFCRA, which as you know, there's the two different paid leaves that our employers are required to offer to their employees. And these are employers with um, under 500 employees. But they, they can get 100% reimbursement for the leave that qualifies under those two paid acts. And it's not just for the pay that they pay during that time, the paid leave aspect of it. It is also for the health care cost associated with COVID-19 compliance. They'll get that reimbursed as well. And the way this is done is they don't pay federal, pay, uh, federal payroll taxes on um, that leave so that month, if they had $30,000 worth of payroll and um, $3,000 worth of it um, was going to be paid pursuant to the act, then that $3,000 you could leave off your your um, your federal taxes. If the employer somehow didn't have enough money to pay the payroll of all the leave that it needed to pay, then there's even a process for employers to file for immediate relief from the IRS where they'll deposit funds into their bank. Um, it's the form 7200 on the IRS website, and IRS will turn it around in two weeks. 
the Department of Labor has relaxed the enforcement of the FSCRA provisions, the paid leave provisions, um, until April 17 in an attempt for um, helping employers with compliance. And as long as empl uh, employers are acting in good faith and trying to comply, um, you know, they'll be, they'll fall within the non-compliance the non period. But also even past that, the Department of Labor has said the employer has seven days after the um, employer has withdrawn an amount equal to the required leave to make sure um, it gets paid to the employees. And if they're waiting on IRS funds, then as long as they deposit it, as soon as they receive the IRS funds. So there's some leniency there, leniency there outside what your normal paid laws are in regards to just those aspects of the paid leave. There's so much regarding these laws. I think we could be talking forever. These are some really important highlights that I think our listeners need to hear about. Obviously, I study this all the time, and you guys just taught me things I did not know. So thank you so much for being on our show today. We look forward um, to recording with you again about happier times, like recalling all of our employees back to work and how we're going to go about stimulating the economy and uh, sending everyone back out to work. Um, I encourage everyone to, uh, to utilize Chris and Perry and their law firm to ask questions. This is a complicated time. No one really knows what's going on all the time and it's constantly evolving. So I certainly encourage all of our listeners to reach out to Chris and Perry with any questions. Any final words, Steve Nail? No, this has been a lot of a lot of uh, good information. I appreciate Hainsworth Sinker Boyd as our as our primary sponsor and Gallagher and find great people. I mean, this show wouldn't be possible without you. So thank you so much. Stay safe, and until next time, see you later, Kelly. Wash your hands. Bye, yeah. guys. Bye.